from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! What's up? Good morning. It's Tuesday, May 19th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined today by Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports Late Kick. Josh, what's going on? Man, Trey, it sounds if I sound hoarse, it's because I partially am, not from coughing, but actually I have such bad allergies, and pollen has been sort of bad in Nashville this past week that I have these sneezing outbursts, and I sneeze violently to the point where it strains my vocal cords and I lose my voice. So other than that, I'm doing great. How are you, Trey? I'm glad that you're not sick. Yeah, allergies are bad here, and it's sort of been a nervous, like the last two months of having allergies have made for a nervous time, but I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Sort of, I feel like we've hit this point in the college football calendar where right now, this time of the year, it's going to start to be slow, and I'm not really feeling that vibe yet. Sure, I mean, there's there's no spring football, and we're all sort of anxious about What are the next few weeks going to look like? But I feel like we do have plenty to talk about still. And and I feel like college football fans are still seeming rather interested in what we have to say. Well, I've never believed in a dead season content wise for college football. And the thing about it is if there's passion about something year round by default, there's something to talk about because the more passionate someone is like you and I, for example, and many of our listeners, the more passionate you are, the more granular detail you're willing to listen to. So, you know, you and I could sit around and talk about capacity sizes for Big 12 stadiums and fascinate ourselves. That may not appeal to a broad audience, but I mean, the hardcore college football audience, there's no off season. People have always said that, you know, to sound kind of cool and intellectually superior to the room, but it is true. There's no off season. Therefore, there's no reason for there to be a dead season in content just because you don't have games going on or this year practices doesn't mean there aren't interesting things. You just have to take blinders off sometimes and not be a racehorse looking straight ahead. In the periphery, there's stuff all over the place. Yeah, you just have to be a little bit more creative. And you maybe get a little bit nostalgic and you you start talking about all-time things. And I think that's why ESPN's The Last Dance resonated so much with people was for the last four Sundays, I guess four, everyone sort of got to sit in their time machine and remember the 1980s and the 1990s and not think about these COVID-19 times, but think about more so sports in general. And Josh, Michael Jordan has spawned all sorts of listicles this week and last few weeks of 15 best NBA players. What does LeBron have to do to catch MJ? Yada, yada, yada. Who's, you know, who are the best sidekicks in sports? And I was thinking, we were talking in relation to to Michael Jordan and, and to the last dance, I kind of want to figure out who is college football's Michael Jordan. I don't really have any qualifiers here. I, I just think you need to be the GOAT or you need to be one of the GOATs and you need to be able to have an argument against all other possible GOATs to, to end up as the GOAT. You need to be iconic. You need to probably have won at least one championship. You need a pretty good trophy case of hardware. And I think your impact has to be such that people not in our circle, know who you are. So opening up the floor to that, it did kind of feel like we had the same guy, but I I want to throw to you first and, and, and we'll go from there. But Josh, who is college football's Michael Jordan? All right. 
So you said you didn't have any qualifiers. And then I listed like nine. Right. Well, but it's hard to have them. Here's the simple first point you have to arrive at. Michael Jordan, if Michael Jordan had stayed in Chicago four years or any NBA player just stayed somewhere four years, you obviously don't have the story that you have if someone stays with a pro franchise a decade or two decades. So the first thing about college football players is none of them are around a very long time. Now, Joe Burrow was just at LSU two seasons, was only the starter. Well, he was the starter two seasons, but they only had one magical season, yet they'll talk about him forever. So LSU fans will probably say, in one season, we've never had a guy like Joe Burrow. I think it's very natural to go to Tim Tebow, which is a name that I know you and I both kind of came up with off the top of our heads. Um, It's not necessarily going to be that his stats blow away the competition, but there's this other factor too. You said you got to be, got to be the greatest. You got to be the goat. You got to be the greatest of all time. You know, if you grew up where I grew up in Georgia, but bordering on Alabama, everyone takes part in the Herschel Walker versus Bo Jackson debate. And you always hear about how talented they were. You see the grainy film and stuff, but what you never really hear is locker room stories about like Bo Jackson or, or Herschel Walker being these big time, like galvanizing alpha male apex predator locker room guys. They were just really talented players who may have even been a little quiet off the field. So if we're asking, are they the Michael Jordan? I don't know if we can go that route. The reason I think you have to gravitate towards Tebow, if we're talking players here, is because he had that combination of fire, of the ability to raise the collective performance of a locker room to meet his expectation. And he was also a very good player, a generational type player, right up to the beginning of his recruitment coming out of, I think it was Nice High School down in Florida. Mm -hmm. So people got to know him. He was a big name in the recruiting world. Then he comes into Florida. He becomes a big name in the college world. Then because of the personality he has and how atypical he is to what your typical college athlete sounds like, looks like, carries himself like, he became transcendent to college football, which Michael Jordan did. So you have alpha locker room, you have ultra competitor, you have really good performance to back it up, and you have transcending his sport. For those reasons, I had trouble going past Tim Tebow if we're going to talk players. It's, it's hard not to choose him because you mentioned you have this four-year four window to rack up as, mu- as many accolades and titles as possible, and that's just really hard. But Tebow, he has the two national titles. He has the one Heisman. It's interesting that he might have started out in a Scottie Pippen-like role to Chris Leak's MJ in 06 and, and then wins a Heisman the next year, wins a Natty the next year. I think also for Tebow, when we watched The Last Dance, you know, I'm not – I wasn't paying as much attention to, to the NBA in the mid nineties, maybe as you were, but people talk about MJ's path and how he sort of took out. He didn't really have a, a magic Johnson versus Larry bird type rival, but he took out a lot of up and coming teams or a lot of, of teams that in any other year or era probably should have won a title. And I think Tebow kind of did that too. He robbed Sam Bradford, uh, Sam Bradford of a national title. He came up in this quarterbacking golden age of, of Bradford, of, of Colt McCoy, Chase Daniel, Colt Brennan. Those guys were sort of his contemporaries in the the late uh, twenty ten or the late two thousands. And then he kind of gives way to this new era of quarterback that would start the year after he gets out of college and and Cam Newton. So I think he he sort of dispatched enough guys. He has enough 
of that uh, enough enough rivals and then he also sort of spawned a new era the way MJ did with LeBron yeah I think it's fair to say I also think that you know it's kind of weird that you tell stories in college of you know the what would have been which is not specific to college football but you know that's the world we're in so recently we've done features but I mean, not just recently, a lot of people for a long time have asked the simple question, talk about Tim Tebow's recruitment, what if he went to Alabama? And the biggest players, the most important players, they spawn that kind of conversation. They do what they do for the program that they go to, but then they also are so good, so transcendently good, that they spawn the, well, what if Alabama would have landed, fill in the blank, Tim Tebow in this case. Would Mike Shula have kept his job? Would Alabama's trajectory have changed if they would have kept Mike Shula? Nick Saban doesn't go to Alabama. Well, that's the same way that people talk about Jordan with like the Portland Trailblazers not drafting him. And so that's another kind of layer of that conversation that I think we can add on. And you're right in talking about his presence at Florida being a roadblock or a deterrent in the way of, for instance, Sam Bradford and that that Oklahoma team, you know, you drop that team in another year, in another era, who knows what happens. And those stories are part of what I love about the fabric of the game. But in the mid nineties, you know, I grew up again in central Georgia. So that's not exactly an NBA hotbed. I'm a white kid in central Georgia. It's Atlanta Braves baseball. It's college football. Those were my two go-tos, like pretty much every one of my friends. So my measure of Michael Jordan's um, impact Globally, culturally, is I had a, when I was a kid, a little kid, I had a play school basketball goal in my living room with Michael Jordan's face on the backboard. I never watched the NBA. I never watched Bulls games, but I knew who Michael Jordan was. I remember when we took a trip to Six Flags, we took a church trip up there one year. I must have been like eight or nine years old. And we were at one of those midway games, you know, where you shoot the ball and the rims are too tight. You're not yeah. supposed to be able to win. But if you do happen to win, you get a free prize. And the prizes were all the NBA teams. You had like pennants and you had basketballs and you had T-shirts. And everyone kept winning and asking for bull stuff and in Atlanta, Georgia, mind you. And the bull stuff is the only stuff that they're out of. They got Hawks gear all day. If you want Hawks gear, Trey, it's available in Atlanta. You couldn't get Bulls gear. That's my most vivid recollection. And to ask who's done that in college football, I think it's hard, even when we're talking Tebow, for the simple reason that you're only there four years, three or four years, maybe five, if you have an injury or redshirt situation. How do you become that in college sports as a player in that short amount of time? It's really hard. Who else did we think about? Because... You, 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 Josh, when you talked about running out of bull stuff at Six Flags, I'm thinking Johnny Manziel or who other guys who were cultural phenomena, Joe Burrow, Camp Newton. I don't, re- I don't really think any of those guys were were MJ though. They just didn't do it long enough. You had you had an interesting guy who you were throwing out to me when we were talking about this on Slack, and I want I want you to introduce the readers or the the listeners to the idea that the MJ of college football might not be a player. Well, that's because it, the, na- the name is Nick Saban. That's who I think the answer really is. And the reason is because the stars in college, the long-term franchise stars are the coaches. Whereas in the NBA, it's the players. You can't, 
name a fraction of the head coaches in the NBA, you name superstar players. Well, if you're a pro sports fan, it's the opposite when you talk about college. If you were to ask in hardcore NFL fans, hey, name me two starting offensive linemen for Alabama. They don't know who those guys are. They don't know Alex Leatherwood. You know, they don't know Ross Pierce Baker to pull a random name out from the last few Mm. years, but they know Nick Saban. That's the star at Alabama. So then think about the qualities we're talking about with Michael Jordan. We're talking about transcendent. We just uploaded an interview. I think we're going to talk about it in a second, but this morning on our 24 seven sports YouTube channel, we're recording this on Monday. We uploaded a Nick Saban video, Trey. I'm looking at the traffic in front of me right now through the back door of our YouTube analytics. It's insane. How many people care about that name? And we can see where our traffic comes in from. It's not just Alabama fans. It's not even just SEC fans. Nick Saban's a guy whose name has transcended his conference and his sport. This is a guy who has an opinion that matters when he rarely, albeit, but when he weighs in on cultural issues. So he's achieved that. I don't think you're going to find a more alpha competitor in the sport of college football or maybe even in sport than Nick Saban. This is a guy who collectively, if your mind is in the right place and you possess the physical ability, he's a guy who is notorious for squeezing every ounce of potential out of you. And he's a guy that a lot of people fear too, not just opposing coaches, but when you have heard people on and off the record who have been on his staff, it's different when he walks in a room. I've covered many Alabama games. I've covered many college football games. It's different when Nick Saban walks in a press conference than it is when any other coach walks in a press conference. So that aura that the real top tier greats have in any line of work, sports included, Nick Saban possesses all those qualities that we're talking about with Michael Jordan. I just think that in the college game, it's about the coach. The coach probably is the only one capable of the longevity that it takes to achieve that level. It really is about the coach. And I think that's something I didn't realize for a little bit growing up in Austin, Texas. I'm not sure why, Josh, to be honest with you, but maybe it was because our coach Mac Brown was, I don't know, sort of the whipping boy when he was not winning national titles until he finally did with Vince Young. And it was sort of a, a, a player sport for us. It was Ricky Williams, Cedric Benson, Vince Young, Colt McCoy. But at SEC Media Days last summer, I mean, you're there every year. Nick Saban walks in that that ballroom or that that hotel lobby, and you've got, you know, a, a guy in a kind of a, a pink suit, not the tallest guy in the world, and he's just mod. He's he's the most popular man in that city, in that state on that day and and always. And and then you've got trailing him, you've got Tua or Jerry Judy, and they can just kind of walk through, walk through the the radio row and, and not be too disturbed, maybe too a little bit more so than Judy. And it's I, I thought that was kind of striking, to be honest with you, sitting there last summer watching Jerry Judy, the best receiver then in college football, sort of just doing his own thing. And Nick Saban can't move around and get a Coca-Cola without you know, people wanting his autograph. Yeah, I think players see that too, Trey. Like if I, I've been at schools, for example, when he comes in for official visits and stuff like that. And, um, you know, if I'm in Columbus – in Georgia, just across the river is Phoenix City, Alabama. Central High School is in Phoenix City. They pump out a lot of D1 talent. It's an Auburn hotbed, man. It's like 25 minutes from Auburn. So a lot of Auburn folks there. This is the true testament of when you're transcendent. 
all these folks hate Nick Saban. I mean, they despise him at a cellular level to hear them talk and to see their Facebook stati, which of course, as we know, is the plural of the word status. But when you get word that Nick Saban's coming to Central High School, you ought to see what it's like over there. It's like they have to prepare in a way if the governor or the president were coming into town and they have to rearrange traffic flow and they have to identify his access points and the guy gets absolutely mobbed. And this is no knock on Gus Malzahn, but the head coach of Auburn University walks in and he can stroll down the hallway. So it's just the like you're talking about at SEC Media Days. That's how it is anywhere he goes. And it doesn't happen overnight. That's the thing. Like, how would a player ever accomplish that? And if they did, like Tua, if Tua played 10 years or if Trevor Lawrence played 10 years, they would become that in college. But as it stands, they're big deals to us. But I don't think that a day trader who lives in Burlington, Vermont, has heard of even the biggest name college football players. They know who Nick Saban is. Sort of eerie parallels with Nick Saban and MJ. You've got maybe his stop in Miami is essentially the, the my, Michael's trip to Birmingham to play some baseball, and then you've got that really special relationship with with both their father figures. Josh, let's let's switch totally to, to Nick Saban. The social distance interview it's live on twenty four seven sports dot com. You already referenced it. You go one, you go one on one with him. You've talked to your share of big names already during the series. Urban Meyer to name or Matthew McConaughey as well to name a few. What stood out in your conversation with Nick Saban? It, how dialed in everything is, how regimented everything is. I had a start time for him. He sits down. He is totally dialed in in the moment. Okay, when he walked in, he's talking with the SID there off camera about a million different things. But then, as soon as it's time for you, he's totally dialed in on you. And when you're done, he is. Totally moved on to the next thing. But when we were, you know, conducting the interview, it was really funny, Trey, because it was last Thursday when we were conducting that. So you live in Nashville just like I do. You know, last Thursday we had the Blue Angel fighter jet fly over over downtown. Everyone was so excited about it, except for me, because I'm downtown and I'm in an apartment here. And that's where we're recording. That's where you and I are talking right now. We're in our apartments. And um so I'm in my kitchen getting ready to interview Nick Saban. Everything's good. Everything's cleared on the schedule. And then all of a sudden it appears that we're going to have fighter jets flying over. In the one time where we're interviewing Nick Saban, I thought our audio was going to be terrible. So then they get in touch and say, hey, he's got a schedule availability at 1130. You want that one instead? Yes. I didn't let him finish the sentence. Yes, I want that. So we avoided it sounding like Russia was attacking us during the Nick Saban interview. So that was one plus. The other plus is, um, you know, I always love dispelling these myths. And it's a myth that you ought to be terrified if you're a member of the media to talk to that guy. And I've, I know why that perception exists. Because sometimes people ask him really dumb stuff. And he, the only one of the differences between him and some other coaches is he doesn't necessarily suffer it as well. He'll just call you out on it. But if you have well thought out questions, and you show that you halfway know what you're talking about, as you'll see in this feature, if you go to our 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and watch it, he'll give you really good stuff. He'll go really in depth. There's nothing to worry about or be afraid about. And he, if you'll ask him the right things, becomes really introspective and really open as much as he's willing to at least. 
about his program. And that's something people don't think they get. They don't think they get access to Alabama and they think it's because he's the gatekeeper and he doesn't allow it. But yet I think we dispel a lot of that in the interview we conducted with him. I actually also think he's been really good about access and availability. He's come on every single 24 seven sports signing day show we've done. He, I, I guess, you know, it, I was sort of surprised he did social distance, but I, I not really when you think about it, but it is funny. He must know the importance of getting out there. And, and even if he is already Nick Saban and he is already Alabama, I appreciate that he is still, it's still important to him to impart his message and to, to, to be seen. And look, we've, we've pitched a lot of people to do social distance, Josh, and we've gotten a lot of good yeses, but we've gotten some really weird no's. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but a, a low level big 10 team. No, our coach isn't doing interviews right now. We've pitched a lot of coaches to do the signing day show. Uh, no coach doesn't want to, to Skype in coach doesn't want to call in. You know, he's, he doesn't know if that would be, the right setting. I'm, and, and you got Nick Saban doing that. And this is, if, if Nick Saban deems this important enough to do, you would think every coach does. And that's just not the case. And yet time and time again, we have the greatest coach in college football and not just us. He's, he does media. And I, I totally think you're right on the money that, that he is not as scary or as locked out or closed off as people think. I think part of the intimidation comes from people not being confident in their own understanding of what it is they're trying to ask him. So, I mean, I've, I've heard people stumble all over themselves in interview settings and it's, I guess it's just intimidation, but to your point, you know, if you're trying to break in and you know, when we came up with this concept, we were asking ourselves, who are we going to be able to get on this? We know we have a pretty extensive network of contacts, but you know, we're coming up with something new. So we've, we've by necessity, we've never been interviewing people via zoom I mean, we want to go to them, or at the very least, we want to be in a studio with them Skyping in, but now we're going to do it both ways. Is it going to look good? Is it going to appeal to them? And so once you start getting some yeses from big names and you know, you top it off with Nick Saban giving you a yes, it goes from you being upset that these second, third tier folks, whoever they may be, give you a no to, you kind of shrug and say, whatever, your loss, you get the best in the, probably the history of the game to ever do it saying, yeah, all right, well, let's do it. I mean, we, I think we had 48 hours between the time we asked to the time we got it set up. And then to me, it's just an absolute joke. If I were a fan of a program, and like you said, we're not naming names, but if I'm a fan of a program that went like four and eight last year, pulling a record out of thin air, and find out my coach is turning down opportunities that Nick Saban is accepting or Brian Kelly is accepting, well, probably tells you a lot as to why you're four and eight, first off. But secondly, it's just like, he's got 24 hour and you, you don't have any less hours in your day than Nick Saban does. So if he can do it, just a, a word to the wise, probably one of the precious few areas you and I are qualified to give advice to head coaches, take the opportunities. You have no idea the ripple effect that doing stuff like this has to your long-term future, the health of your program. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you're right there. And Josh, it was a really good interview. So I encourage everyone to go find it on YouTube, 24-7 Sports page on YouTube. Subscribe there. Josh has so much good content on that page and, and watch the whole thing. All right, before we get you out of here, we've gotten a lot of reader mail recently. And I'm going to be honest with you, Josh. I feel like we've talked about this one plenty on this podcast and in college football media the last few months. But 
I'll be damned if I don't address some reader mail here. So this is from W Fitzgerald 12. They say on Apple podcasts, love the podcast. I found this and it's really great. I do have a few questions though. I hope you can answer. Is LSU on the rise to be a perennial national championship contender? And with Joe Brady leaving, will Scott Linehan be able to keep LSU's amazing offense relatively the same? So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Josh is going to answer that question. All right, we're back. The College Football Daily is back. About to get out of here. But Josh Pate, hey, Josh, what's the fate of LSU now without Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, with all these guys off to the NFL? Are they at a perennial status of a championship contender? Well, look, the first thing you have to ask about the offense I know that we're asking this question with Joe Brady's departure as part of the context of the question. Let's just pretend Joe Brady was still here. Forget Scott Linehan for a second. Let's pretend Brady was still here and it's Joe Brady losing Joe Burrow and all that offensive talent. Like, how good would Joe Brady be next year? I think that alone is a pretty good question. So now, of course, we, we do lose Joe Brady from LSU and you have Scott Linehan come in. And I think there are a lot of fair questions to ask. Uh, when I look at their roster, Trey, they lose a lot of talent, but I, I do believe from here uh, for the foreseeable future, they are in the classification of reload instead of rebuild. I think their roster is already that good, and they're not going to tail off in recruiting. If anything, they're going to surge in recruiting. And I think they'll be a pretty attractive option on the transfer market if and when they need to fill some noticeable holes on their roster. Two questions with LSU, because I've gotten this question a lot just like you have. Number one, it's a cultural question. Last year, a lot changed. I felt it in the preseason. Before they had ever played a game, you could feel cultural shifts happening down there. Now, that's encouraging because then you see a 15-0 and season, the likes of which you've never witnessed, and the default for a lot of people would be lightning in a bottle. All right, you'll return to your 9-3 and status, which alone is not bad, but, I mean, it's life in the SEC West. you got to do better than that. So was there really a cultural shift? Is this really a place where the collective mentality, the program-wide mentality has elevated past, let's try and be a firework versus, you know, let's be a freight train. And I don't think it's all that difficult to envision when you know who they're competing against. The second thing is if that is the new default setting for them, if that is their new mentality and that's in the DNA of the program, well, then it just becomes a roster issue. And I believe they're good enough because I believe in Miles Brennan at quarterback. So I believe they'll be good enough to win a national championship this year. If they go nine and three, I don't think you're going to look back at the end of the year and say, well, they went nine and three because fill in the blank and in the blank, right. You know, they just weren't talented enough. I have this acronym for, I think the most important stat in football, which is Bob plays bounce of ball plays. It's stuff that you can't factor in. It doesn't show up on a stat sheet. It's like, if I throw a ball and you're playing middle linebacker and you tip it up in the air and it falls to the ground incomplete, you know it could just as easily have fallen into a safety's hands and been taken to the house. And that's a massive 7, 10, or 14-point swing in a game that is just – it's freaking nature. There's no skill in it. I mean, the ball's tipped where it's tipped. A fumble drops out of your running back's hands. Does it skirt away or does he fall right on it? That kind of stuff is worth who knows how many points per game. If LSU goes nine and three, I think it'll be because either turnovers were an issue with so many new things and new parts on offense, or more likely they were just on the wrong side of too many Bob plays because even as good as they were last year, keep in mind, three point win against Auburn, 
think it was a five-point win against Alabama. Like, they had a couple of close games. Mississippi State played them close for a little while. Texas, I mean, that was a very competitive game. So even a team that we're calling the greatest potentially of all time, it's not like they won by 50 every week. That's unrealistic. This is not Xbox. This is real life. So now you come back to earth a little bit, and instead of being a level above everyone, you're on their level or maybe a slight level below but still competitive. Those Bob plays, to me, are as important as any question we can ask about LSU outside of culture. I think nine and three would be a win for LSU with with two new coordinators or not a new I mean, Steven Smingers there, but essentially two new coordinators, new quarterback, all those departures. Nine and three feels like a win uh, to me. So I think it sounds like you're you're really high on LSU, Josh. So W Fitzgerald twelve is probably a big fan of you. That's that's whoever asked this question on the podcast. So let's tell W Fitzgerald where else they can get more Josh Pate. We got the Lake Hicks show every Thursday night, every Sunday night, Josh. You've got that turns into a podcast itself, correct? Yeah, the way we do it, I I thought this was I thought I had always made this clear, but then my dad was confused by it. So if he's confused, everyone's probably the parents are always a good litmus test. Yeah, really so. And so here's how it works, right? You go to our 24-7 sports YouTube channel, subscribe there, also click that bell for notifications. That really helps too. So we do late kick live. That is a live show, usually anywhere from 30 minutes to 50 minutes. We do it on Thursday night at 8 Eastern, 7 Central, and Sunday night at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. Now, what happens is after that show's over, we take the audio from that show and we turn it into a podcast, which appears usually the next morning. Some of you just prefer that that format, so we do that for you. But I realized, hey, we got a big hole in the week. Why don't we fill it? And so on the Late Kick Live or Late Kick with Josh Pate podcast channel, we also do a bonus podcast every week that is just like what you and I just did. It's nothing but Q&A. And it's a wide range of questions. Like I'm a, I'm a weather nerd. So this week we're going to talk college football. And then there's a random question about what's the closest I've ever been to a tornado. And let me tell you, that is a great, very, very dangerous story from just the last two years. Believe it or not, Trey, the, the tornado that hit my building is not even the closest that I've been. So it's yeah. going to be a fun week. You, you've had some bad luck there. Well, I, that the midweek one sounds really fun. I'm probably going to check that out. Uh, is one already up? Because I'm going to go listen to that now, if it is. Um, uh, so the Late Kick Extra podcast, the one we're talking about there, it yep. is uploaded every Wednesday morning. Perfect. Cool. Well, next time we have you on, probably going to get your uh, your chest and your buy your buy workout and, and to see how we maintain a physique during quarantine. And if, I mean, Josh, that's probably like, we're talking weather. Have you got any fitness questions there? Cause I would think you have. I have, but you know what my current workout yeah. regimen consists of. And yeah. we have to keep it under, under wraps right now. Cause I'm doing things that we are not allowed to do as employees. So uh, one day in retrospect, I will be able to tell quarantine workout stories. Now is just not the time. The rest of us will just do our body weight and our burpees. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it, Josh. Uh, thanks for coming on uh, to the college football daily. If you guys appreciate what we're doing, we would love a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave us another review on Apple Podcasts. We'll get Josh back on. We'll get other people on to talk about your biggest question. So for Josh Pate, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott, and we will see you on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.